That is a tough, tough act to follow. Wow. What creative minds, man. So good. So good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're killing me, dude. Killing me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles. Just try that book. 2 Chronicles, chapter 15. <clears throat> Oh, man, what a great time of worship we had this morning. I tell you, young people, you don't know what it does to my heart when I see you up here pouring your heart out to God in worship. It just stirs something within me, and I see a generation of world changers, and it blesses my heart. It thrills me to no end. I can't even find the words. So how's this for an opening line? I was talking to my therapist the other day. <clears throat> my therapist and I were having a discussion. My therapist actually is a six-year-old German short-haired pointer named Jake. And Jake is a wonderful dog, and he's non-judgmental. And Jake and I were having this discussion, and I thought of something. There's an old country saying that says if you find a turtle on a fence post, he didn't get there by himself. He had help. All the stuff that the pastors accomplish around here, they don't do by themselves. They get help. And I don't think they would be offended this morning if we just took a moment to recognize all the volunteers that do stuff. Early in the morning. <clears throat> Early in the morning, they're here, they're turning on lights, they're setting the heat, they're setting the air conditioner, they're, they're, they're firing up the sound system, and they're, they're setting up their Sunday school classes, and they're teaching, and they're doing all manners of things. They're taking care of the bank account and paying the bills, and just so many people do so many things, and unfortunately, we just don't have the time to, to call out everyone individually. But please, please, please know, if you work in this church and, and you're a volunteer, how, how grateful we are for, that, for the things you do. You are honored today as well. And we thank you for that. <clears throat> that turtle didn't get on his fence post by himself. He had some help. And you are the help that, that makes this thing work. <clears throat> I heard a message several, several years ago by Dr. Tony Evans, and he's a wonderful word, a man of God and preaches the word powerfully. And he gave an illustration, and I, I'm going I'm to share that illustration with you this morning. <clears throat> Dr. Evans said that years ago over in Europe in the uh, mental hospitals, when they bring patients in, they would go through an evaluation process. And in this evaluation process, they would try to discern how capable the patient was to, to figure things out. <clears throat> and one of the tests that they would do is they would take a patient and they put him into a very small room that had a sink. And they would turn the water on the sink and they put a stopper in the sink so the water wouldn't go down the sink. And they would let the water begin to overflow the sink and they'd give the patient a mop and they'd step outside of the of the room the small room for a couple minutes then they would go back in to see how things were going and 
they was the the evaluation was is the patient capable enough to understand that the water that is overflowing the sink is now coming on the floor and there's an effect and there's a cause can they discern the cause and the effect and could they shut off the water and pull the stopper out to let the water go down or were they just simply mopping and need another mop or need a bigger mop i want to talk to you this morning on the on the, the topic of cause and effect we see a effect, but do we understand the cause? And that was what the, they were trying to evaluate with the patients. Can he discern that he sees the effect, he's trying to clean up the effect, but can he discern where the cause is? So I wanna talk about cause and effect. Are we in the book of, the right book of Second Chronicles? Chapter 15, verse five, your word of God says this. <clears throat> In those times, there was no peace for him who went out, for him who came in. For great suffering came upon the inhabitants of the land. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them with every kind of distress. Take a look at this. This is the effect. Nation was broken in pieces. Have you looked around you this day? Are you aware of what's really taking place? <clears throat> I started to do a quick study. I wanted very simple numbers. I wanted to look from 1950s up to current time. I wanted to find out just a simple number. How many mass shootings have we had? How many were there in the 50s? How many were there in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s? <clears throat> I was overwhelmed. I'm telling you, I, I gave up. The, I couldn't find a, a, a very simple breakdown. I wanted to see like a little pie chart or, you know, a little graph or something. I couldn't find that. All I could find was the, just these stories. I started thinking about how the environmentalists will tell us about how the climate change is taking place and all the things that are taking place in the world as far as hurricanes, floods, drought. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to be weird, I'm not trying to be weird, and I'm not trying to be spooky this morning. I feel powerfully that God is doing a shaking in these last days. I believe that there is a move of God that is taking place. And I believe God, we live in a world today, we need to realize, we live in a world today that is falling further and further and further away from the true God of Israel. And we're chasing other gods and we're allowing other things in our lives. And I believe God is beginning to do a shaking that is taking place. And he's trying to get the attention of the world. If we look through our Bible and look back at the history of Israel, God would bring things upon the people, and his understanding was that he would turn his people back to himself. But sometimes his people became very stiff-necked. They become very rebellious, and they want to go their own way. And whenever they did, God would just... <clears throat> what would happen was, I believe God would begin to remove his covering from them. And when he does, it allows the enemy to come in, and chaos takes place. We live in a world of chaos today, friend, and I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not trying to be spooky, but look around you. Read, read the paper. Read, watch the news. It's dangerous to even go to the grocery store anymore. 
Things can happen to you at any point in time. There is no safety, but there is a God that still sits upon the throne of glory, and he still has a people today. And I want to call the people of God today to begin to open their eyes, begin to open their ears, and begin to understand and begin to discern the times that there we are coming upon a time that, that people are not going to adhere to good teaching. They're going to go after things that they want that's going to just please them. God begins to talk about that. So I want to talk about, the, the, we see the effects. The effects that we live in a, in a generation that has no hope. Suicide number is higher today than it has ever been. We live in a day of that crime rate, poverty. There's just uh, injustices. All these things are taking place. We, we just come out of, you know, so far they, they tell us the pandemic is over. I don't think so. I think there's just waves. It's going to come in waves. I believe it's going to intensify. If I read my Bible like I like, and understand it the way I think I do, it's going to intensify. We're living in birthing pains. And when you, those ladies that have had birth here today understand birthing pains start off small and they're infrequent. But as the, the time of birth comes, they become to intensify and they become closer and closer and closer together. I think we're going to see more of that today. I believe we're going to begin to see more droughts, more floodings, more fires, more hurricanes, more tornadoes, things of that nature. They're going to begin to intensify greater and greater and greater. God is trying to get the attention of his people. He's trying to turn the people on this earth back to him. Just like our word says today that God sent those things. <clears throat> those are the effects. I want to back up for just a moment, though. And I want to show you the cause. Same book, previous verse. Chapter 15, verse 3, it says this. Now for a long time, Israel was, was, was without the true God. What? Now we have a cause. We've seen the effects. Now we're finding the cause. In other words, we're turning the water off. We're pulling the stopper. We're not getting another mop. We don't need a bigger mop. We don't need more mops. We need somebody to go to Washington, D.C. today and tell them we don't need any more mops. We need somebody to pull the stopper and shut, shut off the water. Now for a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without God's law. Ah, I think we found the cause. I think we understand why in those times that there was no peace for those who came out. Because we had nobody that was preaching and teaching the word of God. Now, I didn't say they didn't have temples or synagogues. Didn't say they didn't have priests. They didn't have any teaching priests. I wrestle strongly uh, about how strong I wanted to preach this, and I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be. I'm, tr I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do you right, Dwayne. I don't. I, I don't want you have to uh, clean up any problems I, I cause. <laughs> I'm gonna go easy on you. <laughs> they didn't. It didn't say they didn't have a form of religion. But they wasn't, they wasn't preaching and teaching. The other day I was at the grocery store, and I, I seen something, and it reminded me. <clears throat> I seen 
caramel-coated apples. You remember those? Yeah, those babies are good, aren't they? You know, here's the thing. You can have an apple, and there's a lot of nutritional value in an apple. But then you take that apple, and you dip it in the caramel. Or is it caramel? I never, I never get that right. And then you roll it around in some, some nuts, and you put a stick in it. You know what it does? It tastes good. It looks good. It negates all the nutritional value of the apple. You know what we've done? This Word of God can be very, very strong. As a matter of fact, it's a, it's a two-edged sword. It can divide. It can cut. What we've done, we want it to be palatable. We want everybody to like it. So we've taken it, and we've dipped it in the sugar. Make it sugar-coated. That way it tastes good. It looks good. But it's lost its power because we've sugar-coated the Word of God so we don't become offensive. It doesn't become divisive. In doing so, we've negated the power from it. Let me share with you a quote by Smith Wigglesworth. Jeff mentioned him the other day. And I thought, man, I need to brush up on a little Smith Wigglesworth. This Bible was given to me almost 40 years ago by my precious mother-in-law. And I love her. She treats me better than my own mother treated me. That's the truth. She gave me this Bible almost 40 years ago. I wrote in the opening cover. Listen to what my brother Smith Wigglesworth wrote. Never compare this book with other books. Comparisons are dangerous. Never think or say that this book contains the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It is supernatural in origin, eternal in duration, inexpressible in value, infinite in scope, regenerative in power, infallible in authority, universal in in interest, personal in application, inspired in totality. Write it down, read it through, pray it in, work it out, and pass it on. Amen, Smith Wigglesworth. That's the power of the Word of God. Inexpressible, powerful Word of God. Whenever I have situations arise in my life, like we all do, I find myself looking in this book for answers. I find the Word of God, and I understand that God, you're the author of this book. You cannot lie. I stand upon your promises. I hold on to them. I pray them in. And I begin to worship him. I begin to say, Lord, you're capable of holding up whatever the situation may be. You're able, Lord God, to take care of me. And I stand upon your word, upon your promises. I begin to lift up his name, begin to praise him, begin to worship him. I get my mind off the situation, begin to put it in his hand and say, Lord, I trust you. I know I'm following you. I'm holding on to those nail-scarred hands. You're going to lead me through this thing. Olahana, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I fight my battles on my knees with my face in the book, and I hold on to the promises of dear God. That's how I fight my battles. 
Oh, I just, I just, I, I tell you, I'm, I feel his presence today. But we understand that there is a cause and effect. And we understand we see the cause all around us, and, or we see the effects all around us, and we begin to understand the call. I'm glad today to know that I serve in a church of pastors who will preach the word of God. But I just want to encourage you men, women, Clear your throats in this day and begin to understand the day and time we live. The time is short. The work is ahead of us and the work is hard. And there's a lot of harvest out there. Don't be afraid. Don't be uh, intimidated. Declare the word of God with power and with authority. We want to honor you this day. So I'm going to ask right now if our pastors would just, if they would just make their way up front and sit on the front pew. I got something I want to just share with you very, very directly. If John and Candace, Ben, Courtney, Chancy and Holly, so much appreciate you guys. I really do. I love you. I see all the work you do. <clears throat> this church does. If you would just make your way and. <clears throat> This afternoon, I'm going to go home. I'm going to turn on the TV. And I'm going to turn on a football game. Like many of you. <laughs> when I turn on that football team or that game, there's going to be three teams out there. There's going to be a home team and there's going to be a visitor team. There's going to be a whole stadium of people. In some cases, maybe, what, 70, 80,000? I don't know. There's another team that is going to be there. They don't wear the home jerseys. They don't wear the visitors' jerseys. They wear a different jersey. Theirs is white and black striped. There is a team of referees there. They show up at the stadium, and they bring with them a rule book. And they're going to make calls on the field. It might, it might be a penalty or it's... It, it, it may, be, it may be popular, it may be unpopular. But they have the rule book. And they're going to make sure the game gets played by the rules. Every, every player on that team could crush one of these refs. Those fans could destroy those refs. But those refs are there with the authority of the National Football League. And every call that they make, they are backed up by New York, by the commissioner, and by the National Football League. They have no fear of 70,000 people booing them. They know they're going to get booed. They know that some of their calls are not going to be popular calls. That does not deter them. They throw the flag. When they see, the, when they see a foul, they throw the flag. Ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you, when you see the foul, throw the flag. Because you're not backed up by New York. You're backed up by the God of the universe who hung the stars in the sky and calls them each by name. That's what you're backed up by. You have the authority. 
you don't have to worry about the crowd. You've got to worry about the one who holds the crowd. I want to share with you, and I'm going to be closing. Then Lana's going to come up and share very quickly. <clears throat> if my eyesight will hold up. Years ago, I highlighted, I highlight my Bible. And what happens is it kind of fades out. But <clears throat> the Apostle Paul encouraged a young minister by the name of Timothy. He goes on and says this, if I can, like I said, if I can even read it. <clears throat> he tells him in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, says, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, <clears throat> reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine, that after their own lust that they will hear for themselves, having itching ears. i, I got to finish this. This is just a short version or a short thing. <clears throat> Paul goes on to say, For I am now ready to be offered, for the time of my departing is near. For I have, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the, the righteous judge, shall give me for that day. And not for me only, for all those that love his appearing. You are called. You are anointed. Walk in the power and the authority and the calling that, that is upon you. Can we just pray and then land this one? God, we understand today that we live in perilous times. We understand and we look around us, Lord, we are not naive to what is taking place. Your people are keenly aware that our time, that the days are growing short and our time is, is near, Lord. Your coming could be at any moment in time. Nations are shifting, Lord. Things are taking place. And yet, you have called us and you have brought us to be on this planet at this day and time. We could have been born a thousand years ago, but you have saved us for this day, for this time, for as a time as this. I pray an anointing upon your pastors, upon your ministers, for on your men and women who serve in this, in this body, that we would be impactful to this nation and for this community. I pray, God, that there would be no fear, no reservation in declaring your word, declaring your truth. If they can point it out and show it in black and white, Lord, I pray that you, you would do that to them. Be with them. Protect them. Strengthen their bodies. Embold their minds, I pray, God. We all ask it in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Don't out-preach me. Don't out-preach me. <laughs> Don't out-preach him. Oh, yeah, like that would happen. Uh, um, we, we are hearing a lot about Smith Wigglesworth, and I, I couldn't help but think of this one thing that I had read about him. Uh, you know, the devil tries to torment us all. I any chance he gets. I mean, we're not giving him credit or anything, but he'll do it. See if he can get by with it. And one night, Smith Wigglesworth was asleep, and he was kind of restless or whatever. And he wakes up, and he looks over, and he says, Oh, it's just you, Satan, and goes right back to sleep. So whenever he starts tormenting us, say, Oh, it's just you. Hit the road. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, get out of here. We don't need you. So today is Pastor Appreciation Month, or this whole month has been Pastor Appreciation Month, and today is the day that we're designating. I think other churches do it on different days, but we're so honored. What a privilege and an honor today to stand up here and talk to our pastors and tell them, show them how much we love them and appreciate them. And I've got some stuff written down, so I'm probably going to read it, because if not, I'll just go down a rabbit trail, and it'll be terrible. So... <clears throat> So Pastor Appreciation Month is a special time that congregations set aside each year to honor their pastoral families for their sacrificial dedication and multiple blessings that they provide to us. And this is a significant month for our pastors, and Pastor Appreciation brings with it a complex mix of conflicting thoughts and emotions for most pastors. Some of them get embarrassed when they're brought, you know, when they brought to attention or whatever. But I want to share a story with you. And please, this is just a story. Like the names have not been changed to protect the innocent or anything like that. It's just a story I read. And, um, but it, it was so fitting for today. Uh, a few weeks ago, I spoke with a pastor friend about his recent day off. He was shopping at Home Depot quickly grabbing a few items for a home project. After checking out, he bumped into a member of his church in the parking lot. You can probably guess what happened. A short greeting turned into a much longer conversation. The member shared a number of difficult things happening in the church and in his own spiritual life. Each question from the pastor uncovered five new frustrations. 45 minutes later, they finally parted ways. I asked the pastor how he felt in that moment. It was my day off, he said, but I really don't have a day off. I mean, when am I not a pastor? <laughs> Unfortunately, that happens. This always on, week in, week out grind takes a toll on pastors and their families. There's a leadership guru that's na his name is Peter Drucker, who said this, over the years, I have made a career out of studying the most challenging management roles out there. After all, that I after all that, I am now convinced the two most difficult jobs in the world are these. One, president of the United States. Two, leader of a church. That's, that's tough, isn't it? God has entrusted to pastors one of the most precious of assignments, the spiritual well-being of his flock. Ministry is an amazing call, full of great joys and significant moments in people's lives. Officiating weddings, presiding over funerals, counseling, baby dedications, and the list goes on and on. But the job of pastor is a difficult one. Having said that, let's be cognizant of our pastor's time, especially if we see them out in public, when they might just be trying to spend quality time with their family <laughs> or friends or just trying to chill out or take care of their own personal chores and needs. Of course, it goes without saying, our pastors are always available in emergency and crisis situations. Unfortunately, that's what they signed up to do. If you need to talk with our pastors, make an appointment. Take them to lunch. 
you know, dinner, have them over to your house, you know, whatever. And um, schedule a time with them. That's a way you can really show them that you appreciate what they do and the time that it involves to do it. I've seen pastors who've just poured their heart out physically, mentally, and emotionally during a sermon to head toward the office and have a line of people waiting to talk to them. <clears throat> pastors and their families live under incredible pressure. Their lives are played out in a fishbowl, as Pastor Jeff has reminded us a time or two, with the entire congregation and community watching their every move. They are expected to have ideal families, although ours are not ideal, <clears throat> to be perfect people, to always be available, to never be down, and to have all the answers we need to keep our own lives stable and moving forward. These are unrealistic expectations to place on anyone Yet most of us are disappointed when a pastor becomes overwhelmed, seems depressed, lets us down, or completely burns out. That's why God has instructed us to recognize his servants. In 1 Timothy 5.17, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. So here's the good news. We can make a difference today, which I hope we have already. Um, we, can counter, we can counter the negative erosion in the life of our spiritual leaders with positive affirmations that they need. Show them love in ev today and every day. Be affectionate, and I mean like hugs. <laughs> Don't let it carry too much. <laughs> Words of encouragement, praise, honor, because they are truly worthy. And the best thing you can do for your pastor, the very best thing you can do for your pastor, is pray for them, for he and his family, every single day. Jeff and Kim, co-pastor with Dwayne and Amanda, Chancy and Holly, children's pastor, Ryan and Candace, Ryan's our creative pastor, Ben and Courtney, Ben's our worship pastor, John and Candace Jeffries, our youth pastor. Do we realize what a blessing it is for a church our size to be blessed with so many leaders? I mean, you've got somebody to take care of your children, your youth, your babies, your teens, the music, and you can sit here and enjoy everything that the pastors have to say and don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> it's amazing. <clears throat> Let me see what I want else to say. Um, so, I think that's it. What a blessing to have this team of pastoral people in our church. And um, when I just think of, like, all the behind-the-scenes things that they do, I don't even know what all these pastors do. You know, I, for instance, I don't know what Ryan does. I know that we have a sound system every week you know we have lights we have uh, Facebook we have everything that we need and that comes under the title of creative pastor you know so I it's just amazing and I want to say that I think Tom said too we could the pastors cannot do everything themselves and that's why they need the support team of their spouse and I'm so proud of the spouses that we have of the pastors here because they encourage their husbands 
to do what God has called them to do. And I don't think that every pastor's wife is called like the pastor is called, you know, and you have to develop that. And um, so I kudos to you all this morning. So um, I think now I would like to turn this over to Tammy Lawson and watch out because all you have to do is hand her a microphone and, you know, I'm sure she has a few things to say about the chili yesterday. No, no. I didn't really know I was going to speak, but Lena says I'm great with the mic. So um, I have the privilege and the honor of passing out the gifts, which those of you that know me know I'm a giver. So I guess that's why Olahana asked me to pass out the gifts. So Olahana, do you want to be my assistant now since I kind of got this title? So uh, first we'll start with Ryan and Candace. Come on down. You're the next contestants. We have a little something for you guys. Uh, you can sit back down, I guess. I wasn't instructed on that, so. Uh, next, Mr. Ben and Courtney. <laughs> ben really wanted the flowers, could you tell? He wanted to put them in his truck. All right, next we have John Jeffries and Candace. And I, and I am going to bring up the chili yesterday. Um, John ate the whole bowl, and he said, I was going to give you a 9.2, and he goes, but then there was an onion. And he bumped me down to a 2.7. But I love you anyways. <laughs> but he did like the egg casserole, so... But thank you for what you guys do. All right, and next we have Chansey and Holly. And Amanda and Dwayne. And I'm not gonna repeat what was said at breakfast, so since we're in front of the whole congregation, so. And then last but not least, Pastor Jeff and Kim. <laughs> and like I said, I don't have anything written, but we do really appreciate everything all of you do, and our church cannot function without each and every one of you. So um, you guys, let's give it up for all of our pastors. Well, thank you all so much again for cheering on our pastors each week. And I would just love to have all the pastors come just right up here and stand, if you don't mind. We would love to reach out hands and pray over you. Um, and if everyone could just reach out their hands, if any of you or the youth, because you youth are just amazing. Again, world changers. If you want to come up and pray over the pastors, pastors you're, you're welcome to, to come either in front of them or behind them. Um, anybody who wants to come pray over them as we close in prayer.
Otherwise, those of you that are comfortable uh, where you're at, please just reach out your hands and, and pray with us over the pastors. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for another day to worship you, Lord. And we just thank you so much for each and every person up here. God, we just thank you for their obedience. We thank you for the love that they pour out to us. We thank you for the knowledge and the wisdom that they pour out to us, Lord. Lord, thank you for blessing them, for their calling. We appreciate them, Lord, just stepping into their calling, which is not easy, God. And we just thank you so much for what they do. Lord, the hard work that they do for our church, there's so much, as, as Lana said, there's just so much behind the scenes. And, and not everyone knows exactly what that is, from the little things of literally just turning on lights and being here early in the morning to kneeling down and praying for all of us at night shedding tears for us. Lord, I just thank you for their obedience, God. Their love for us is immeasurable, Lord. And we, we know that they get that from you. We thank you for the hearts that they have for us, Heavenly Father. But God, I just pray for a protection over them. God, I pray for safety over them. I pray for an abundance of blessings over their families, Lord. Help them to know they're loved. Help them to know they're important. Help them to know our church is, is so blessed to have each and every one of them, God. There's only this one day that we can show them our appreciation, God, but help us as a church to come together to always acknowledge them each day. Lord, any day that we're here, any day that we see them, Lord, help us to pour out our love and embrace them, Heavenly Father. God, I pray that any lies from the enemy, Lord, we rebuke that in the name of Jesus, Lord. We pray for protection over their minds and their hearts, God. They are doing your work, and the enemy wants to steal their joy. The enemy wants to attack. And Lord, as they dive deeper... As they go deeper with you, the enemy wants to hold them back, Heavenly Father. But again, we rebuke that in Jesus' name, God. We thank you that you're greater. We thank you for the provisions for them, Lord. Lord, there's so much little that we can show. But we know that we can show them the love that you instill into us, Heavenly Father. And God, until we come back all together again in your house... Lord, I pray for safety and protection as we all go home. Lord, we pray for good health. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration of anything they need, whether it's relationships in their families, Lord. We pray for an encounter. We pray for the Holy Spirit to continue to manifest in their lives, in their homes. Be with their babies, Lord. Be with their children, Heavenly Father, as they bring them up, as their children are watching them. Lord, bless them all. We pray for financial blessings over all of them, Heavenly Father. And we pray that they will continue to lean in and trust in you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for all that you're doing through them that helps to bless us and the body, Dayton. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
Thank you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday. We appreciate you and continue to pour out your love and blessings out to our pastors. We love you, pastors. Have a wonderful day.